Hello, and welcome back to Coffee Books, the podcast where I read books about coffee while drinking coffee. We are continuing on today on page 60 in the book The Curious Breeze's Guide to Coffee, written by Tristan Stevenson. We were in the middle of talking about roasting, so let's continue. As the drying phase comes to a close, the increase in bean temperature further forces the coffee bean to jettison moisture stores. Worse still, the breakdown of sucrose or sugar and the subsequent caramelization that occurs from 150 degrees Celsius or 300 degrees Fahrenheit and upwards releases more water, as well as carbon dioxide, as byproducts. The water turns to steam, which in turn, along with the buildup of carbon dioxide, places increasing amounts of pressure on the physical structure of the bean. Something has to give, and without the plasticity that water once provided, the enlargement becomes more brutal, and like a snail whose shell has become too small to contain it, the consequences are explosive. This stage of the roast is known as first crack, and it is marked by an audible popping sound reminiscent of snapping pencils and an immediate increase in the size of the bean. First crack typically occurs after seven to nine minutes in a drum roaster. Some air roasters can get there in only two to three minutes when pushed to it, and can last from 30 to 130 or to 120 seconds, when the average temperature of the bean sits at around 190 degrees Celsius or 375 degrees Fahrenheit. First crack is more than just an audible checkpoint. It's also a marker for a significant physical change in the dynamic of the roast as a whole. Up until just before first crack, the coffee has been drawing in energy from the hot roasting air and, if available, the metal surfaces of the roaster itself. First crack, however, is like a firework going off inside the roaster, and the rapid phase change of water into steam creates a temperature hike as the bean itself gives out heat energy, becomes exothermic for a short time. Anticipating first crack is an important skill for a roaster, as a sudden change in energy dynamics can cause the roast to run away and get too hot, or if insufficient energy is provided, it stalls. Once first crack has finished, the coffee can be considered roasted and fit for consumption. Coffee this light will usually be bright and fruity, exhibiting more of the bean's natural facets and less in the way of traditional roast qualities. Lighter roasts can be risky as they shine a very revealing light on green coffee, readily exposing any off notes or defects. But when the green coffee is a very high quality and the roaster knows how to handle it, these light roasts gloriously stretch the limits of coffee's flavor profile into heady heights of fruitiness. Coffee this light is best suited to filter brewing or French pressed, and too light and acidic for espresso brewing. As a roast pushes on beyond first crack, things begin to move faster. Whereas in the early stages of roasting, color development and aroma shifted more deliberately, now the progress must be monitored closely, as important physical and chemical changes are occurring by the second. The plant cell walls of the bean become fractured, denatured, and more brittle. The voids left by the quickly departing water begin to expand faster, which in turn makes the bean more porous. Oils begin to migrate around the structure of the bean too. During this time, the subsequent flavor of the coffee will be changing constantly as well. Acidity drops off more or less linearly through the roast and bitterness increases exponentially through caramelization effects, 
while the more elusive attributes of body and sweetness increase, plateau, then drop off again, exactly when that happens is down to the coffee and the whims of the roaster, of course. If there is a first crack, it stands to reason that there must be a second crack. Otherwise, it would be known only as just crack, I suppose. And the second audible phase normally commences around two to five minutes after first crack finishes. Most specialty coffee is dropped into the cooling tray at some time between first crack and second crack. But darker roasts that may be used for espresso brewing will sometimes dip into later stages during or after second crack. Second crack is harder to hear than first crack and, once again, we are looking at a buildup of carbon dioxide within the bean, but by this time almost all of the water has gone. After second crack, tensions become high. Things are beginning to become reminiscent of a campfire by now, in both sound and smell at least. At temperatures above 230 degrees Celsius or 450 degrees Fahrenheit, the matrix structure of the plant begins to deteriorate. The, the aromatic lignin, essentially nature's cement, begins to volatize, which threatens the stability of the bean but also opens up new aromatic potential in the realms of nutty, smoky, and charred flavors. As the roast becomes even darker, the coffee starts to burn. Perhaps only 15 minutes have passed and the beans have nearly doubled in size yet lost over 20% of their starting mass, which equates to a drop in density of almost 50%. The character of coffee at this late stage in the roast has been all but obliterated. Sooty, astringent, and bitter caramel flavors have taken over. Oils begin to bleed onto the surface of the bean, and the roast emits a darker, more ominous smoke. Continuing roasting beyond this point would be both pointless, since the coffee is likely already undrinkable, and more importantly, dangerous. Just before the beans reach their ignition point, they turn as black as coal. Then the roaster catches on fire. Roast Profiling and Temperature Graphs So there is far more to roasting than setting a heat dial. And a countdown timer, a coffee's roast profile can be based on a number of factors, including bean density, coffee variety, origin, and type of processing. It may also be based on the intended brewing method of the roasted coffee. Roasting is a highly sensitive process where even the smallest shift in variables can have monumental repercussions in the chemistry of the coffee, ultimately affirming the character and quality of the finished coffee bean. Thinking of the coffee bean like a checklist of flavor compounds can help to demystify the roasting process. Each flavor or group of flavors will only become apparent or slip away once a specific bean temperature has been achieved and maintained for a period of time. Some flavor compounds decrease as roasts get darker and others increase. Nicotonic acid, for example, is one contributor to a clean finish in a good cup of coffee, and it is present in higher quantities in dark roasts due to the action of higher temperatures releasing its soluble form. Other flavor groups may remain relatively stable, but their presence might be suppressed or made more noticeable by the increase or decrease in other aromatic compounds. We'll leave off here today in the middle of page 62. Thank you once more for listening. 
Good coffee and good books, friends.